Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now we read in verse 26 that Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt unto this day, that Pharaoh should have the fifth part. Now, this completely changed all of this, the, the history of Egypt, and historians, they record that about this time that the people were given square plots of land by the government, and the government got its income off of the 20% tax, straight tax. Everybody could fill out their tax return on a postcard. <laughs> now, while all this was going on, we have a comment of what was happening in Israel, as it says in verse 27, Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein and grew and multiplied exceedingly. So all this, like I said, all this duress is going on around them, and this is really what is is being spoken about in Isaiah 65. In Isaiah 65, 13, the situation of the Egyptians suffering and the duress, and yet Israel being taken care of, this is what the Lord said. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Isaiah 65, 13, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but you shall be ashamed. Behold, my servants shall sing for joy of heart, but you shall cry for sorrow of heart. See, Israel was to look and to see very, very clearly that it was God who was taking care of them in the middle of this sea of sorrow in this, this sea of suffering. And this is what Moses was trying to get into Israel's head in the book of Deuteronomy. You know, book of Deuteronomy, Moses is saying, I'm leaving, I'm going, but let me go over this again with you for the 400th time. And so Deuteronomy means the second time. So Deuteronomy 26.5, Deuteronomy 26.5. First of all, he said, now look, you've got to see your origins for what they really were. Not a righteous person, not a bunch of righteous people that came and that's who you are, uh, the descendants of. No, no, no. He said in Deuteronomy 26, 5, thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God. A Syrian ready to perish was my father. A Syrian ready to perish was my father. He went down into Egypt and sojourned there with a few, and became there a nation great, mighty, and populous. See, Jacob, he spent so much time in Syria with Laban, they just called him a Syrian, ready to perish. And Moses made sure that Israel always remembered that Jacob came to Egypt for a temporary stay, just a temporary, wasn't permanent. Now the temporary wait hadn't to be, happened to be 400 years, but who's counting? It was just temporary. It was only a visit. It wasn't a permanency. 
And that was the way God wanted them to, to see. He went down into Egypt and sojourned there. He just visited there. Now, we read what, what happened to Israel. Verse 27, Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen. They had possessions therein. Grew and multiplied exceedingly. They multiplied exceedingly. The time had finally come for God to fulfill the promise that he made to Abraham all the way back to the time when God called Abraham in Genesis 12. And when he called him out of Ur of the Chaldees, he said to him in Genesis 12 too, Genesis 12 too, I will make of thee a great nation and will bless thee and make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing. So God told Abraham that he was going to make them a great nation, and he elaborated on it. And he said, you know, look, uh, Abraham, uh, let me explain to you what I mean. So just look down at the ground. You see all that dust down there? And he said in Genesis 13, 16, Genesis 13, 16, I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, just like that dust. So if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. How comical for someone to sit down and say, don't bother me now, I'm counting dust by dust here. See, he says you can't do that. And then he renewed this, this promise of multiplying the seed to Isaac, to Isaac, his son Isaac in Genesis 26.4. Genesis 26.4, he says, I'll make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven and will give unto thy seed all these countries. And then he renewed that same promise to Jacob. Now, keep in mind, we're spanning a long, many hundreds of years here. And Jacob, in Genesis 46.3, Genesis 46.3, when Jacob was in Syria with Laban, and, and he says in Genesis 46.3, he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. Now, and speaking about this verse, verse 27 here, Stephen before he's martyred, and he's giving his last speech there, his last message in Acts 7.17. Acts 7.17, he speaks about this time now when he calls it the time of the promise drew nigh. When God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. And then later, after the people had grown and they had multiplied, again, Deuteronomy 10.22, Deuteronomy 10.22 Moses says to them, thy fathers went down into Egypt with threescore and ten people, 70 people. And now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. And this is such a dramatic thing that David comments, it in, comments on it in Psalm 105, 24, Psalm 105, 24, when he said, and he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. And it's not only that he increased the people, and it's not only that this miraculous thing happened in the birth rate among the people, it also happened with the cattle. It says in Psalm 107.38, Psalm 107.38, he blessed them also so that they are multiplied greatly and suffered not their cattle to decrease. So their cattle's increasing. And this is the, this is the scene here that is in the closing chapters here of Genesis And this is the first thing that's spoken about in the opening chapter of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 7, Exodus chapter 1, verse 7, the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed the seeding abundantly, and the land was filled with them. 
I mean, can you make any more emphasis than to keep saying that? They were fruitful, they increased abundantly, they multiplied, they waxed exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. So now, this is Israel. Now we've gone from a focus from the Egyptian people to a focus on Israel. Now the focus is going to narrow in on Jacob, on Jacob in verse 28. Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So Jacob's 147. How many years was Joseph living in Jacob's house before he was taken down to Egypt? Remember? 15 or 17? It was 17. <laughs> 17, yeah. 17, okay. So Genesis 37.2, Genesis 37.2. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old, okay. So Jacob had Joseph with him for 17 years before they were separated. And those were wonderful years for Jacob. Jacob loved, it says in Genesis 37.3, we saw this, Genesis 37.3, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. So life was wonderful when, when Jacob was with Joseph. And when Jacob thought that Joseph was killed, a darkness came on Jacob that was unbelievable. It says in, in Genesis 37, 33, Genesis 37, 33, I mean, it's kind of like he went over the top. He knew it and said, it is my son's coat, an evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. Jacob rent his clothes, put sackcloth upon his loins, mourned for his son many days, and all his sons, all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, and he said, I'll go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. He could not, he would not be comforted because Jacob just said, I will go down to the grave to my son mourning. My life is dark, everything is dark, there is no light, the rest of my life is gonna be spent in darkness and mourning and depression. Very dark place, very dark place, and he refused to get out of that dark place. Dark, dark, dark. That was his life. I mean, just think of the years in Jacob's life that were, in essence, wasted in that dark place because he had no joy. He had no joy of the Lord. And then when his sons further came to him and said, well, we got to bring Benjamin down to Egypt because that's the only way we're going to get Simeon out of prison, then he spouts more darkness in his, in his life, in Genesis 42, 36, Genesis 42, 36, Jacob, their father, said unto them, me have you bereaved of my children. In other words, you caused me to be in this state of mourning and depression. Joseph is not, Simeon is not, and you'll take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. That was a comment he was making on his life. Everything in life was against him. He was saying that, and he was saying that his life has just become one dark event after another. And again, Jacob's in a very, very dark place, refusing any kind of uh, comfort, dark, dark, dark. And again, think of this, this time, again, that Jacob is really wasting his life here. But then when Jacob finally does see Joseph, and he sees he's still alive, he says in Genesis 46.30, Genesis 46.30, Israel said unto Joseph, now let me die since I have seen thy face, because thou art yet alive. So he's the, he sees Joseph there, and he says, okay, you know, I knew I was going to die, so let me die now, because uh, I just might as well do that. But the interesting part about the verse that we're studying here, 
is that he actually goes on to live 17 more years. 17 more years, the same number of years that Jacob had with Joseph before he was taken down to Egypt, it's multiplied. And then at the end of those 17 years, when Joseph brings his two sons, you know, he brings his two sons there to Jacob so Jacob can bless them. So then Jacob makes a comment in the next chapter, chapter 48, verse 11, Genesis 48, 11. Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face, and lo, God has showed me also thy seed. So those are very important words. I had not thought to see thy face. Why? Because not only did Jacob see Joseph's face, but it, it, which happened when he came into Egypt, he went on to live another 17 years in Joseph's presence. And so the same amount of time, as I said, before he was taken away. And what's interesting is when he says this looking back on his life and he says, had not thought to see thy face. I mean, that's the time when Jacob is actually reflecting back on the dark period of his life. And he's saying, you know, I was really wrong. Just didn't think I'd ever see your face again. And what we can kind of hear him saying through those words, I had not thought to see thy face, is he's saying, you know, I wish now that I had not thought that I would never see your face again. I wish I, I wish now. I wish now that I had not allowed myself to be pushed into that dark place of depression in my life. I wish now that I had not allowed myself to not be comforted and not wasted all those years in depression and darkness. So as Jacob is reflecting back on his past with this, I had not thought to see thy face, he, he was thinking back on the reason, okay, I, you know, I wish I hadn't done that, and he's kind of thinking about it, said, now what reason did I have to, to not believe that I wouldn't see his face? What, do, what reason did I have to believe that I, that I would see Joseph's face again? What was the reason? What was the reason that Jacob had to believe that he would see Joseph's face again? It was the dream in Genesis 37. And Jacob understood the dream because it says in Genesis 37.10, he told his father, his brethren, his father rebuked him and said unto him, what is this dream thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brother indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And then it says, his brothers envied him, but his father observed the saying. Now that's the Hebrew word shamar, which means guard. So he guarded this, he guarded what Joseph said, he believed it. He guarded it in his heart, even though he rebuked him, he still, oh, that's going to happen. And that, that was the reason that Jacob had to believe, because he, he could have sat back there and says, I haven't bowed down to Joseph yet. So that was the reason to not let himself get pushed into the dark place of life, believing the worst that put him into these states of depression that he refused to come out of. Now, what we see here is a warning to us. It's a warning to us to not let ourselves be pushed into dark places of depression that we refuse to come out of. Jacob had Joseph's dream like a prophecy into the future that was to keep Jacob from falling into depression. And we have a great promise that's also a prophecy about the future in our lives to keep us from being pushed into places of darkness and depression, and that's Romans 8.28.
Romans 8.28 is a prophecy about our future when it says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Everything had worked together for good for Jacob because if Joseph had not been sold as a slave into Egypt, then he and his family wouldn't have survived the famine. And Joseph, looking at that, said in Genesis 50, verse 20, Genesis 50, 20, God meant this for good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. So as we read verse 28, that Jacob surprisingly lived 17 years longer with Joseph in Egypt, it causes us to see that we have to fight against the dark thoughts that would lead us to depression and fight through to believe in the goodness of God. And he's going to surprise us, just like Jacob said, I just hadn't thought of this, that I'd ever see your face again. I am surprised. And that's what God does. Because of his goodness, he surprises us. He surprises us. And I'm sure that when Jacob actually did go on to live those 17 more years, he said to himself, I'm surprised. Not only was I surprised to see Joseph says, now I'm surprised that I lived another 17 years in Joseph's presence. And this is a surprise, and this is the surprise which is spoken to us in Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians 3.20, Ephesians 3.20 says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He could say this, now unto him that is able to surprise us above all that we ask or think. Okay, now we read in verse 29, the time drew nigh. The time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called Joseph his son and said unto him, if now I find grace in thy sight, put I pray thee thy hand into my thigh, deal kindly truly with me, bury me not, I pray thee in Egypt. So the time is coming now for Jacob to die. It's interesting how death is described here. It's described as a time that Israel must die. It's interesting that word, must. It's so definite. It's so definite. You know, it's not saying, well, you know, he's going to die one day or someday or another. It says he must die. You know, the must in verse 29 means that there was a time appointed when Jacob must die. And at that time, Jacob must die, which means that before that time, Jacob must not die, which means for us, that a time has been appointed by God, and before that time, we must not die, and we do not die. And just as we see in verse 29, there is a time that we must die, and we will die. And this is how Moses' death is described in Deuteronomy 31.14. Deuteronomy 31.14, the Lord said unto Moses, Behold thy days approach that thou must die. And this is how David's death is described in 1 Kings 2.1. 1 Kings 2.1. The days of David drew nigh that he should die. So here's Jacob, mighty man, a prince with God. He has power over the angel in in Genesis chapter 32. Genesis 32. But now he must yield to death. Verse 29, Israel must die. Israel went down that slope to death. You know, some people die instantly, but in the case of, of Jacob's life, it was the candle of Jacob's life wasn't blown out at once. It just slowly, gradually burnt down to the candle holder. And Jacob saw this time of his death that was approaching. Now, death 
and the grave, it looks scary. It looks scary, but you know what? There was a time when Jacob was returning back home, when he was going was to return back home to go to his brother Esau, his brother Esau that wanted to kill him. And that looked pretty scary too. But God said to him in Genesis 31.3, Genesis 31.3, the Lord said unto Jacob, return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. You know, those words that God said, I will be with thee, that took the fear away from him going back home to Esau. Now Jacob can think of God saying to him, fear not to go to your death and to the grave, I will be with thee. And that promise holds as good in death as it does in life. And it's the same, it's true for us. When the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And when we think of our death, that's the time to cling to the name of the Lord Jesus, a very special name. What name do you think is the most important name to cling to at the time of death? What do you think? But the one I'm thinking about, going along with this, what name I will be with thee is there for the Lord Jesus Christ? Yeah, it's Emmanuel. It's Emmanuel. It's Matthew 1.23. Matthew 1.23, going back to Isaiah 7.14. Isaiah 7.14, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Im anu el. Im with anu us. El, God, with, God is with us. It would be better to put that way. So there's the name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. The Lord Jesus was with us in life, and he's with us in death. He's with us in death. That's his promise, that he's going to be with us. Death and the grave cannot dissolve his promise to be with us. As it says in Romans Romans 14.8, Romans 14.8, whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Death in the grave does not cancel that. And Jacob and us, we look at death and we say to death, you're a destroyed enemy. We say to death, you are a destroyed enemy. Why? Because the Lord said that in Hosea 13, 14. Isaiah, Hosea 13, 14. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Oh, death, I will be thy plagues. Oh, grave, I will be thy destruction. Jehovah Jesus destroyed death for Jacob as he did for all of us. And he took the sting out of death, and he removed the victory from death. Now, people today, they avoid talking about death. They don't want to talk about death. I don't want to talk about death. But now the Lord Jesus, he talked a lot about death, especially in John eleven twenty five. John eleven twenty five is talking right about death. He said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life, but he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. I think we'll stop here. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being Lord Jesus, our victory over death, the destroyer of death. Thank you, Lord, that your name is God with us. Thank you. You'll be, you are with us in life. You'll be right there with us in death as well, because you are Emmanuel, in Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. 
You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 